Hello, and welcome to Model View Conversation, America's premier tech education podcast. I'm Brian Gates. And I'm Ben Golke. And today we're going to be talking about conferences, like meetups, only more so. <laughs> only bigger and more exciting, I suppose. Bigger and more exciting. I guess it depends, right? It depends on what kind of meetup you might be attending. You can you could have some meetups that might be more, more exciting than a conference. But it seems like of the few that I've been to, conferences, I mean, um, they just tend to have, uh, you know, everything that's kind of fun about a meetup, but there's more people, there's more talks, there's usually um, even a selection of different kinds of talks. So you can, rather than just going and sitting in a room and kind of getting to listen to whatever they choose to talk to you about, they might have a scenario where there's seven or eight going on at once and you get to pick one. Right, then, kind then, of a talk it, buffet. Yeah, that most suits your interests. So uh, that's kind of fun about that and, and something that's a little bit different from, from a meetup. And also it's tended to be uh, bigger name people, right? If, if it's a meetup, it's probably going to be somebody in your hometown and maybe you have big name people in your hometown, but probably it's going to be, you know, just people who are there. But conferences can be national, international in scope and you get really internet famous people. Right. Yeah. And they, and they even try to attract those large names to come and, and speak because that, of course, uh, it's an opportunity that, you know, you wouldn't get otherwise necessarily, right? Like you said, they're not going to show up at your regular meetup, probably, but they potentially could come speak to, you know, a couple hundred people at a, at a conference. Um, so today, what we're going to really talk about is, you know, what are, if you've never been to one before, if you're a junior and, and you've maybe heard of these things, but you've never attended, what are they like? Um, what kind of benefits can you get from attending them? Maybe talk a little bit about how you could potentially speak at one um, and, and what uh, benefits come from that. Um, and then also kind of the experiences that we've had at, at meetups and uh, kind of as a relationship and then, uh, you know, how they relate to conferences and what you can expect to get out of them um, so that you can be better informed about the conferences that might be available to you locally or, or nearby and, and whether you'd want to attend. Right. And I'd like to start out since we're talking about juniors and conferences. One thing that really separates conferences from meetups is conferences tend to cost a lot of money. Yes. Yes. So that is a limiting factor. Um, that can, can be a limiting factor. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. They can cost anywhere from, I've seen $20, $30 a ticket, right? To all the way up to several hundred dollars per ticket. Just to That's just to attend the conference itself. It doesn't get you there. You haven't eaten anything. If you have to stay you know, out of town, there's no hotel included in that. That's just to walk into the conference hall and be part of the event itself. Um, so that can be quite limiting. Um, oftentimes, uh, conferences will have things like scholarships and other ways to get more discounted tickets. Um, so that's not always true, but but if that is some, the case, it's something to definitely look for when you're kind of researching conferences and deciding where you might want to go. Um, particularly if you're an active student, I've seen a lot of times conferences will have like a student discount. Um, so that's something to look out for when you're when you're trying to buy a ticket and see if you can get it for for less money. Uh, but it is true that they are they can be kind of expensive. Um, and that's why maybe pick something that's a little bit more local to you, right? Because you can you could save money by if all I have to do is drive to somewhere and and attend and come back home. That's easier than I have to fly somewhere and I have to get a hotel. And I have to do all that other, you know, all those other expenses. Yes, if money is a is a big concern, then certainly local is better than travel. And there are a few things that you can do to to get around the listed sticker price. Conferences, like Ben said, are getting better. I think these days or more aware of uh, how much value they could provide to people who are in the situation where they're not going to be sponsored by an employer, which is how even people making good money like to go to conferences is have someone else pick up the bill. Um, and so they're 
more and more scholarships and so it's worth looking on websites don't be scared away by the three or maybe four digit uh price of a ticket also it can be worthwhile to uh, reach out to an organizer and say look i'm going to be in town or i can get myself to be in town and i could potentially help out uh giving people tickets at the door, setting up chairs, stuff that uh, is going to stretch their limited manpower budget and for which they probably don't have the budget to just pay, you know, union people at the convention hall to come in and do for them. But they are often willing to uh, barter that for tickets to get into the event. Yeah, that's a great that's a great um kind of way to think about that right like don't just assume oh if they don't offer a scholarship or a discounted ticket then that's my only way to get in oh well right there there are other ways that you can you could potentially negotiate and, and get in for less and i think it's a great way to to go about it and like you said conferences are just like meetups in the sense that they always have more work to do and less people to do it and so if you're willing to offer some sweat equity um in exchange for perhaps you know attendance to the conference or, or maybe a discount on the ticket for the conference i think a lot of conferences would be happy to accept that i'm not saying that they will but but they, it's it's worth a shot right it's worth it's a shot worth to try shot. because they probably are like i said probably low on manpower and and having someone help them with the chairs or tickets or whatever right is they're going to appreciate that uh, what are some conferences that you've been to and what do you think you got out of going? Yeah, so um, I've been to a couple of local ones when we were teaching downtown Orlando. Um, we had a couple of conferences that actually happened right in our building. They were tech conferences, and I'm forgetting what the name of the one is. That's a one-day ad hoc. It comes together organically. You can help me remember what it's called. It's the one where you like... Uh, uh, yeah, bar camp. Yeah, we go. Bar camp, yeah. So bar camp, I think it's a. it's like a federated thing where they do them around the country right each city has their own version if a city wants to do it right so we had one for orlando um and i attended some of those and those were pretty fun um the thing that's cool about that is it's a it's very ad hoc so like when you show up in the morning um they have a big board that lets you sign up for to give a talk and you just simply basically claim a spot and then now you're a speaker at this conference so it, the thing that's nice about that one in particular is that uh you can go it, obviously, if you have a talk prepared, you can go and you can kind of try and get your way in there and 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 find a spot to to make a you know to uh, find a slot to speak. Um, and if you happen to catch one, then you've now got a you know you're signed up to speak at a conference and and you are going to give that talk. And then you have you get you get that exposure and you then get to say I've spoken at a conference right and for for basically nothing. Uh, the downside, of course, is that you have to kind of get there early and make sure that there's enough space. And, you know, it's a first come, first serve kind of thing. But but if you can do that, it's a really nice kind of low key way to get into the conference speaking, um, you know, arena. Uh, I've also been to um, RW DevCon, which is Ray Wenderlich's uh, developer conference. So Ray Wenderlich is a guy who has a bunch of tutorials online for iOS and macOS and Android um and I think a little bit of uh, of Unity as well, game development. So he's got various kinds of developer-focused tutorials on his site. He's got written and video. And a couple of years ago, he decided to form a conference around that. And the thing I liked about it was he builds it as a tutorial conference. So the whole point of the conference is specifically to go and learn things about iOS development that you may not already know. That's frequently something that happens to you when you go to a conference. You learn new things, of course. But what I liked about his was that he focused his talk, all the talks that were given around that idea. Like he told all of his speakers, try to build a talk that lets people either follow along 
if they bring their computer, or at least be able to listen and kind of um, integrate that knowledge. And at the end, they should be able to walk away from your hour of speaking with a concrete new skill that they didn't have when they okay. walked in. Whereas a, a lot real of, nuts and bolts kind of approach. Yeah, yeah. A lot of t conference talks tend to be a little bit more hand wavy, and not that that's not a bad thing. It's just they just have a different kind of audience in mind and a different intention. Um, but what I liked about his was that he designed it to work much like his website does, right? That you can walk away from from uh, participating in this experience with a skill that you have that you didn't have, you know, but before you you showed up. So I really like that. It was a multi-track conference. So you got to, you know, there's a schedule. You got to pick which events you wanted to attend. They had some that were running concurrently. So that's that's the one downside about a multi-track conference is that you kind of have to look at the schedule ahead of time and say, okay, of the 20 or 30 talks that are going to be given over the next couple of days, I can actually only physically attend eight of them or whatever, right? So which ones do I want to go to and which ones am I willing to skip? Um, so that's something you have to keep in mind when you're when you're attending a conference. You want to find out if it's single track or multi track. Single track typically means there's like one stage and everyone sits in the same room, and then there's just a, a group of people that you know come and go on the stage to give talks. Whereas a multi track conference typically it's multiple rooms, um, and so you then get to at any given time. It's 11 a.m. We're going to give three different talks at the same time, so you have to pick which one you want to go to. So what what kind of stuff have you been to as far as talks? I would imagine probably Ruby and or JavaScript related ones are mostly what you attend. Yeah, for conferences um, at the larger than meetup scale, I think the only stuff that I've been to have been Ruby and Rails. There's a conference called Ancient City Ruby up in Jacksonville for a few years. Actually, they just started it back up. I think it's happening later this month for the first time in three years or so. I've been to a couple of the Rails conferences, which are the once a year worldwide level uh, events that bring in speakers from you know, across the globe. And uh, those are, are big giant things, you know, um, multi-track conferences over probably three days for the Rails conf. And uh, you get to see people who are working on the Rails core, the DHH, the guy who started Rails, uh, typically gives the keynote and is is around, which is, at, if you're familiar with that ecosystem at all, to see somebody of that stature who has really made the careers of tens of thousands of people possible. And, you know, there he is at the lunch line, just to get getting to Sanders like anybody else and graciously shaking hands of a lot of fans it's it's really something yeah it's a it's an interesting uh it'd be an interesting thing to be kind of internet or nerd famous where you're not sort of gen i bet he walks down the street and people don't have any idea who he is right sure but, out in the real world yeah no one right knows. but in but in a concentrated area with lots of other developers or people who are in that whatever thing you're all about right in his case it's about rails He's a celebrity, right? He's somebody that that be like, oh, look, it's DHH, and they're gonna go take a picture, selfie with them, or whatever, get his, get a handshake, that kind of thing. It's it's an interesting um, dynamic that you could be you could be so hyper locally famous in a particular context, and then otherwise unknown. Otherwise, completely. Like if I was in the line at the grocery store and Ray Wonderlick was right in front of me, that might have happened to me, and I just wouldn't know because I have no idea what the man looks like. But if you see DHH and you're a Rails person. You're, Ooh, there's a little aura about him. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Only is... we can see. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. 
Um, so in the for for JavaScript, you haven't been to those conferences, but is there like a big Kahuna? Like for us, right? WWDC for iOS developers, DubDub is always the that's the big one because it's it's hosted by Apple. It's where they announce new stuff for the future of what we're going to be programming on in their platform, right? It's the it's the big Kahuna for conferences when it comes to iOS development. Is there one? I would assume RailsConf probably is that for Rails. Is there one, is there like an equivalent for JavaScript? There's not. And I think that's due to the difference in how these things came about, right? iOS came from Apple. Apple owns iOS and any major development, certainly anything to do with the languages or the things the phone can do, come from Apple. And so they're going to be in charge of everything. Uh, Rails was started by DHH and, and his company, 37 Signals. And uh, while it's an open source project, they're still the, the caretakers and the primary drivers of things. So they get to, to choose stuff there. JavaScript um, has no master. <laughs> right, right. And so there are conferences about uh, any number of aspects of the language and you know libraries in the language and the big Angular and Ember and React and other things each get their own conferences and uh, Jamstack is a new thing and it has its conferences. So there's there's really no one thing for JavaScript. It's what niche in JavaScript do you like? You can find something that speaks exactly to that. So there might be like a, a big Kahuna conference for like Node or React or Vue.js, right? Maybe, As a framework. Maybe, right. But there isn't something that's just like, this is the JavaScript, the JavaScript conference, conference because no. nobody owns that really. Right. I mean, I guess the right ECMAScript is owned by some regulatory body somewhere, but, somewhere, they're, but yeah. they're, they're not putting on conferences. And they're not in the conference <laughs> business, yeah. ECMA, I think, stands for European Consortium of Manufacturers or something like that. So they have no interest in, in getting right, a right. convention center hotel for a bunch of software people to talk about things. So I think that's something to keep in mind, right, is that you want to... Um, you want to think about well, what do I want to learn? What do I want? Who do I want to interact with within the community, um, and and how can I best accomplish that? And it isn't always. I mean, like if you're an, if you're if you are an iOS developer or you're an aspiring iOS developer, it is not the case that well, I can only if I can afford to spend you know sixteen hundred dollars to get a, a dub dub ticket, great, and then fly to California and stay in their hotels and spend a ton of money, right? I mean, it's probably, uh, you know, four to $5,000 easy that you're going to spend on that for that week in, in June um, because of just the nature of how it works. And like you said, a lot of times companies will will pay for that, but, to, you know, not all the time, but certainly there are companies that do pay for things like that. Um, but to do that yourself would be a very expensive proposition. And then the value you're going to get out of it is like, well, it certainly it can be extremely valuable and it can also be not so valuable. So so you don't want to just necessarily think, well, I can only, uh, I should only look for the biggest possible places to do that, right? Like like DubDub or like RailsConf, right? If you can't afford to go to RailsConf, there's probably going to be a, a smaller, more focused event closer to you that is cheaper um, and that in some ways might actually be better if, if we're trying to focus our advice here on on the best bang for your buck as a junior i would say uh if you're going to attend a conference i would actually probably look more locally because it's more likely that local employers will be there and if you're if your focus is to sort of get exposure and get networking done with other people that might help you get a job that's really going to be super beneficial, right? If you fly to wherever RailsConf is, if it's, you know, way out somewhere that is not remotely close right. to you. Tucson and Minneapolis, I think, were the last two. And we're talking from Orlando. So those are a long way away. 
Right. So if you're near those places, great. But if like in our case in, in Orlando, right, we're not near there. So it's unlikely that we're going to really encounter anyone there that might be able to help us locally within the job market that we live in. Um, so having uh, a more focused or more local approach, at least to start, it, it does a couple of things, right? It gives you the ability to have p- the potential for those local employers show up and be able to do that networking. And it's also probably going to be smaller, cheaper, yes. just less logistically difficult, right, to, to, to accomplish. And if you're trying to, uh, you know, attend your first conference, that's going to be much easier for you than I'm going to fly to Japan. You know, <laughs> right. if, if you don't, if you live in America, right, I'm going to fly to Japan and I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to go to this, um, this awesome thing. Not saying you shouldn't do that. It's just that if if you kind of want to get your feet wet with the whole conference idea and learn how to how to do it effectively, a local one probably will be just an easier way to get that done. I'd agree with that. And here's a, a tough question, and I shouldn't ask this without knowing the answer. But what sort of networking benefits, since you brought up the idea, uh, have have you uh, acquired from conference attendance? Yeah, so certainly the ones that I've attended that are local, right, to the, in the Orlando area. Um, at the time that I was doing it, when I was a te- when I was a local teacher of local students, uh, it gave me the opportunity to learn, you know, to to hear from other um, professionals, uh, you know, developers and hiring managers and stuff um, as a way to get leads for our students. So that was that was nice. That was a, a concrete benefit that that it didn't benefit me personally. It benefited my students, but that was that was a, a good thing to do. Um, and then as far as, um, at, like attending RDB DevCon, I got to meet Ray, which was pretty, which was oh, okay. pretty cool. Um, and then also got to meet some other, uh, developers, um, that actually had given talks and, you know, we kind of, we chatted a little bit. I, I found them on, on social media and was able to start following them and, and, and understand more about what they were doing and kind of see them go to other companies and, and, uh, prosper and, and share their knowledge. So that was a, a good, um, way to build a relationship you know and of course this is a limited way i'm just sort of discovering who they are and what they can offer as far as um as knowledge sharing but that was something i didn't know before and i didn't i didn't have the website bookmarked and i didn't have you know i didn't i wasn't uh, gaining from their you know from their sharing of knowledge that was nice um i don't think that i i haven't been to too many conferences yet so uh i I can't say that i've like gotten a job from any of them um but that certainly is one possible benefit right is the that's kind of the 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 golden ticket of going to a conference would be interacting with someone at a conference in a way where you have it creates a relationship that leads to a job that that would be really the kind of the optimal outcome and i don't think that happens a ton but certainly it's the case that if you don't play you can't win right if you if you don't attend these things at all, there's there's no way you're going to get that benefit from them. You can get those benefits in other ways. So I'm not saying you have to attend conferences, but but uh, attending is you know you have to attend to be able to potentially get these benefits. So um, and it's it's fun. I've everyone that I've been to so far has been really interesting. One of my personal goals for the year has been to actually speak at a conference, and maybe we can talk about that kind of next um, and and how that would go and and what the what the separate benefits, maybe the similar benefits, and then also maybe the kind of unique benefits that you get from being a speaker compared to being an attendee. Um, but yeah, that that's something that uh, I think could also lead to all kinds of opportunities is, is actually speaking at a conference. How about you? I have, um, I think possibly like you, I feel like I have not optimized my use of conference time. I, yeah. There, they're a mixture, probably for both of us, of fun 
and mm -hmm. uh, draining to the point of inducing a coma. Yes. Right. Because there, there are so. Uh, on the one hand, there are so many people saying so many interesting things, but on the other hand, there are so many people, and. Uh, Ben and I, and probably a lot of our audience, are hardcore introverts. And frankly, just being on a podcast and talking with someone I've known for an hour, I'm going to have to take a nap after this and every episode because that's just, we have... And, and, to, and to be clear, when we say introverts, just in case it's not clear, we don't mean that we don't like people or whatever. But oh, the definition of, intro, of introverted basically means that that the the social interaction you have with other people is not invigorating, it is draining. Not not that we don't enjoy it, but that just that after after a certain amount of time, it's like I have nothing. I don't have any batteries left. Like I need to go recharge, and then I can come back and I can interact more. And and certainly, it's the case that a conference is kind of this concentrated room full of people that all share your interests. So, I mean, in theory, if you're attending a conference, it's one that you actually are interested in. So that means that the opportunity to interact is going to be super high, right? Right. And and your ability to interact over time, if you're an introverted person, it, it's a finite amount, right? It's like after a while, it's like, I have to go back to my room, my hotel room, right? And I have to like do something by myself for a little while because I just need some time to, to recharge. Yeah, it, uh, conferences for introverted people persons are, it's like downhill skiing for downhill skiers. No one is going to go out and ski down the mountain for eight hours and then say, oh boy, I'm really looking forward to the next eight hours of downhill skiing. It's a lot of fun while you do it. And then you need to lie down in a cold, dark room for a long, long time. And that's, that's what these events uh, are like. And so that poses, I think, some challenges in it would behoove us to strategize a little bit beforehand about how are we going to optimize our limited energy reserves in these situations? Because what you don't want to do is go in and say, I know this is going to end up potentially wearing me out. And so I'll conserve my energy by not speaking to anyone <laughs> and quietly listening to the talks that I could have seen on video in a week and a half anyway. And then and for a long time, that's really how I looked at conferences. And so I didn't go. And uh, I think the benefit of going is really meeting a lot more people than you could potentially meet in any realistic situation otherwise. So you have to figure out how are you going to do that? Right. Yeah. If, it doesn't, if that doesn't come naturally to you, then I think that's very good advice, right? To kind of strategize a little bit before you go. And, and you're right that basically a conference the value is not really the talk itself because usually the talks become available in some other form video or whatever later on um, they'll post them you know on youtube or they'll put them on their site or something so you could consume all of that without having to attend i mean i can see every single dub dub talk they give every year on apple site within a day or two of it happening and so, i know that's something that you've done for years that you haven't gone right you've organized little local events to go and, and watch in that venue yeah, so we've done like viewing parties and stuff where we get to watch the the keynote and stuff like that kind of as a group. Um, and then for the technical talks, most of the time I'm just watching them like on my computer right by myself. And because it's because I want to consume that, con I want to integrate that content and those new features and skills into my knowledge. And that's how I'm doing it. Um, but I'm, of course, not getting the benefit of having actually been in the room with 300 other people while the talk was going on and getting to talk to them afterwards and write all those other benefits are not available to you in an on-demand video later. And that's really why being there live in person is super beneficial. 
other than getting a selfie with Tim Cook, right? <laughs> like if, if that's something you want to do. Other than that, really the benefit is being able to to interact with other developers. Um, and and DubDub actually has a really nice feature as well where thousands of, of Apple engineers descend on San Jose for that week. They leave their day desk job right at Apple's headquarters and they come down to San Jose and they attend DubDub and they do lab sessions where you can walk in with your laptop with your actively uh, in development iOS application and you can say, hey, I'm using this framework that's part of iOS. It's not working or I'm encountering this problem. Mm. And I can go talk to someone that works on that framework right? and I can get them to help me. So that's something else that um, isn't always the case at conferences, but in Apple, in that one particular case, that's another benefit. You can't get that unless you attend, right? I, I, unless I'm standing next to the engineer, I'm not going to get that benefit. So you want to think about... Go do, do they call that the super genius bar? <laughs> they should if they, they don't. They should. <laughs> that's, yeah. But that's the thing you got. You have to think. You want to think about that before you go, right? Like, why am I attending? What What do I want to get out of this other than sitting in a chair and watching someone speak, which I could just do from home, probably, because the videos will become available later. So, what other benefits aside from watching those talks do I want to get out of it? And things like I have a bug in my code, and I want to go talk to the engineer that works on that code, so I can get their personalized help, or I want to find other, let's say, iOS developers at DubDub that work on apps that are similar to mine or whatever and find opportunities to network and kind of uh, pool our resources. Um, or I want to, you know, get a selfie with Tim Cook or what, like whatever whatever your goals are, are fine, but you want to kind of have those ahead of time. I think that's a really great kind of piece of concrete advice if you're going to attend your first conference. What are they going to talk about? Who's going to be there? What's the format look like? Usually all that, all those answers you can get from the site most of the time um, about what it's going to be like just in broad strokes. And then you want to use that information to figure out like kind of a game plan, right? How am I going to attack this? Because it's three days long or whatever. It's going to go by like that, right? You're going to, it's going to go by so fast and you're going to go, oh crap, I didn't, I didn't do that thing that I wanted to do because, and it's gone now, right? The opportunity is gone. So you do definitely want to try and optimize. And I feel like probably, uh, you know, I certainly don't think that I have done that with the ones that I've attended, partly because I just, you know, I just didn't think of it. It's like, I'll just go and it, I'll be part of it and it'll right. just happen and right. it'll be great. And and you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But particularly if you're paying for it yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to try to get your money's worth out of it. And so having that plan, I think, ahead of time is, is really useful. And there are, I, I think when we talk about having a game plan and figuring out how things are going to work beforehand, I don't want to give people the impression that we're saying here's like the exact script that you're going to follow and how people are going to react to it and therefore what will come up. But you might be able to say things like uh, out of the two days worth of talks, here's one given by the person who works for the organization that I most want to connect with. And therefore, I'm going to research a little bit about the subject of that talk. So I have a little bit better grounding and um, I'm going to try to sidle up to that person at lunch afterwards or at the end of the day or whatever, uh, you know, happy hour they typically throw at the end of the day. Even if you're not a drinker, just go in, get your cup of water and find that person and say, hey, I was at your talk and I wanted to ask about X. And it's not really that you need to know the answer to X, but you want to present yourself in front of this person as someone who can hold an intelligent conversation about the technology you're both interested in. Yeah, and being an interested party is going to be a great way to get them 
to talk to you and and potentially leave an impression on them of you that could be beneficial to you in the future right i mean i i don't think any of these benefits we're talking about are going to it's very rare they're ever going to lead directly to concrete benefits like i got a job three days afterwards like that's that doesn't typically happen but what does happen is you get um it's networking right it's the it's it's like we've given advice before about this is that none of this stuff leads to direct outcomes that come immediately after the the effort that you put in but it's it's kind of this cumulative snowball that you're building of kind of momentum within the industry and the more people that know you and know what you're about and know what you're interested in the more likely that you're going to end up you know with opportunities in the future um it's so it's it's very amorphous and very inexact right There's, yes unfortunately so we're not giving you a script to follow. We're just kind of giving you like rough guidelines on if you do those things, you're going to position yourself to be better, you know, better positioned to it, to receive and take advantage of opportunities that come your way. than if you had not done that doesn't mean that opportunities won't come your way. If you don't do these things, it doesn't mean you can't succeed without, you know, without doing these things. It's just that, you know, you kind of, you can kind of stack the deck a little bit in your favor by doing some of these things. And uh, other things you, that you can do, something that I've ended up doing sort of on the fly, and I wish I had planned it out a little bit better beforehand, was I'd go to a conference, and it's multi-track, multi-day, eight hours of talks in a day. And if you try to listen to eight hours, I mean, if you've ever been in college or high school and had to listen to eight different people talking, even if it's something you're interested in, over and over, hour after hour, that's hard to get through. And the idea of doing that and then going out and socializing with several hundred people you don't know um, is, is just infeasible for a lot of us. So what I would end up doing for uh, one or two of these conferences, what I'd go and I'd pick out here are the things that I want to see. And then on the day of, I'd realize, wait, I can't do this because I want to go to the socialization thing afterwards and try meeting some people. So I'm going to pick out these talks that I want to go to earlier in the day. I'm going to bag the last couple in the afternoon, which feels sort of like you're wasting money because you've paid to go to you've paid to go to the conference and the conference is the talks is an easy thing to think. But what I do is I'd say at 3:30 when the next to last slot opens, I'm just going to go back to the hotel and I'm going to take a nap until about 6. And then I can wake up and I can have a little bit of energy to go out and meet a bunch of people and and talk and accomplish that aspect of things. Yeah, I think I think measuring and and metering out your energy is definitely a good way. Whether really whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, I mean, yeah, that's true. You know, humans only have a finite amount of energy. So, uh, and like you said, it is very easy to assume. Oh, if I skip a talk, I'm like I'm wasting my money, right? I, I flew all this way, or I drove all this way to get here, and I'm right. But the thing is, the talk will, like I said, will very likely end up on the web somewhere for you to be able to watch. Most conferences videotape their talks and then they make them available. Sometimes you have to pay for them. Sometimes if you attend, you get that you then get access to those things for free because you because you already attended. Um, sometimes they just put them online for anyone to watch. Um, but usually there's a way to get access to those talks afterwards. And I think that's a really good balance of like, I'm yes, I'm here to see the talks and I want to make sure I see some of them. But don't discount, I guess, the the seemingly superfluous social position yes. at the end of the day, right? Like yes. we would be very easy for us to think, ah, whatever, it's just happy hour. I, I don't drink or I don't care about that. I'm right. just going to skip it. I, I um, didn't go to prom and I'm not going to this thing either. It's kind of the... <laughs> right. 
yeah, so uh, it would be very easy to kind of discount that and say that's not that's not valuable to me while I'm here at the conference. But and maybe it isn't. I mean, I, we're not saying that you need to do these things, but but don't don't necessarily discount it immediately. Um, and if you do value it, perhaps you need to kind of make a trade off, right? You need to, like you said, maybe not attend that last conference talk for that day and use that energy you would have spent on that instead on uh you know on some socialization at the end of the day because it because you never know i mean you just never know who you're going to meet and how you're going to um who you're going to interact with and what might come of that there's i've we've both i think had examples where this is for us this has mostly happened at meetups just because for one thing i think we attend more meetups than we attend conferences right sure. so just from just uh putting ourselves in a spot where this can happen is just it happens more often at meetups i mean i run a meetup so i'm there every month uh but I've had actual concrete, like life-changing benefits from attending a meetup, and the same is true of a conference. It's just it's just at a different scale, um, and you know that kind of thing. Yeah, chance favors the prepared mind is a, uh, a quote from uh, I think attributed to Blaise Pascal that I've seen in not one but two different Steven Seagal movies. So <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> connection. Sure. Uh, all right. W w was it was it spoken by Steven Seagal or was it from someone else? Um, you know, I I want to say Tommy Lee Jones in one of them, but I can't remember. Okay. Who's under Siege, okay. of course. Right, of course. And, and I, I think it was also used in Under Siege too. All right. So it's consistency. You know, another benefit, and like Ben said, we can't promise that any of these things are going to happen. There's serendipity involved, and it's not the case that every conversation you have leads to a job offer. It's not the case that every big name in the industry is a really nice person. But there are really nice people working. I heard one story from a person talking about going to his first Ruby meetup, and I think there was a, a, a study room basically set aside for people to just work on stuff. And this person had his computer open and was struggling with something, I guess, visibly struggling. And an older gentleman happened by and asked what the problem was. And then the guy said, well, it's with this library right here. And the older guy sat down and said, oh, I, I know something about that one. And it turned out this guy was Jim Wyrick, who is to the Ruby ecosystem what Steve Wozniak is to the Apple <laughs> Ecosystem. Oh, wow. And if you aren't familiar with any of those names, that's basically what Moses is to the Old Testament. I mean, the guy right. who, who wrote <laughs> most of it and just and typically it's the the sort of more introverted technical people who are, are probably themselves, frankly, going to skip the happy hour stuff. But if you find yourself in a room where you're working on things with other people who are working on things, you can have that kind of serendipity of just finding a more experienced fellow nerd who will sit down and help you out and get a personal connection that way. Right. It's like you're working on your car and then Enzo Ferrari happens to walk by and you're like, I can help you with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I, great. I, I know engines. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that that's the, that's the thing is that there are so many, so many potential upsides here. And basically the downsides are, you know, leaving your family potentially for a few days, f having to fly somewhere or drive somewhere, spending potentially your own money on this thing. So it's it's not like there's no, it's not like it's consequence free or that it's, um, 
investment free, free right? Mm -hmm. It's not cost. Exactly. It's not cost free, right? There's time, there's time investment, there's money investment. Um, you might be able to get a, your company to pay for it. So if you're, if you're a junior developer, who's already got a job and you're trying to advance your career, um, a really useful thing to do is to attend conferences to, you know, um, to either learn new things that, that could benefit the company you work for. And so that's often why companies will pay to send you somewhere. And, and there's a weird little uh, sort of arms race going on now that I've noticed that uh, companies have these training budgets, but they want to make sure that the training budgets are used well. And so some companies will have these forms that you fill out to say, you know, I want to request uh, to have the, the ticket paid for to go to this conference. And along with that form where you write out who are you and what is the conference and, you know, how much money you're asking for, there's a little section for uh, how is this going to help us? You know, what's in it for us as the company? And then conferences know that that is going on. And so conferences have started to put out little suggested verbiage of basically, <laughs> here's what, what you could copy paste to put into that section for the value that you're delivering. Uh, nice. And so, and now I just thought of a, a potential um, free service that we could just set up an API that, you know, communicate from the... <laughs> Fill out your conference request form with just yes. one button. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Have you the, joke, but that probably is a thing that somebody would pay money for. That could be a thing, yeah, to, to automate, the populate the uh, field about what value you're getting. Just yeah, suck it from the form. So another, another way that you can accomplish this, uh, you know, attending a conference and have it done in a way that isn't necessarily super expensive, you know, on your bank account is you can speak at a conference. A lot of times if you, if you, if you volunteer to speak at a conference, um, you can either get the conference itself to, to pay for you to attend, um, potentially even room and board, like they'll even pay for the flight, they'll pay for the hotel, that kind of thing. Um, other times you can get, uh, if, you, if you volunteer to speak at a conference, uh, and if maybe the conference itself doesn't have that ability, uh, if you're going as part of, you know, a representative of your company, maybe you're going to put up their logo or something in your slides at some point, you can get your company to pay for the same thing, right? You can say, I'm going to go speak at this conference, I will mention us as a company and kind of do a little marketing, Right, it's essentially a mark part of their marketing budget, um, and so then they'll fly you there. They'll pay for the ticket, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that can be a, a great way um, because you're reducing the financial hit to the company. Because you can say, "Look, I want to go and speak at this thing out of town. I got the ticket covered because they're waiving the fee because I'm speaking. Could you just pick up the flight there and back in the hotel?" Yeah, and that's, that's, that's an important point is oftentimes conferences will not charge you if you're a speaker. Um, you get to attend the conference for free because you're kind of doing them a favor by providing a talk that is part of right. the draw. Without right? the talks, there's no conference. There's so no conference, exactly. That. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's it's been a, um, a goal for me this year to try and speak at a conference. I've never done that before. I've, I've spoken in a whole bunch of meetups, My mine being the primary one. Um, so I have lots of experience with that. But I mean, that's... That's anywhere from I think the smallest group I've ever spoken to is you know seven or eight, and the and the biggest group I've ever, I've ever spoken in front of I think is like two hundred. Um, one of wow. the Orlando Tech meetups that that oh, happened right, right. a few years ago. They are attended usually between like a hundred and two hundred people show up, and then the one that I attended was pretty well. You know, it was probably one hundred and fifty at least. Uh -huh. um, and which I spoke, talk was that? That was the um, I I did a talk about one of the apps that I put in the app store. This is before I even worked at at the iron yards this is actually before you and i know, knew each other oh man um this is in 2014 it was at the at the same building that we that yeah. we worked at the exchange oh building. this oh this was in the heyday of otech i'm thinking this of was, yeah yeah mm -hmm. so the the Orlando tech association which is a local organization that that we're um involved with uh, to a greater or lesser degree uh lesser more recently just because 
it's just evolved. Um, but it was at one point a, a very well attended and large uh, meetup that that attracted all kinds of developers and and non developers alike, people who were in marketing and all kinds of stuff. And um, I I went and spoke and promoted one of my apps uh, that I had built for the App Store, which is no longer in the App Store, but uh, one that I had at the time. I, I got to speak about that, which is pretty fun. Um, so anyway, I, I've got you know varied experience at various different audience sizes, um, but I've never spoken at a conference, and I've never given a I, what I would consider like a conference level talk because I feel like conference talks are, uh, you know, it's it's a different audience and it's a it's a different goal, and and you have to have a level of at least if you're going to be good at it, you have to have a level of polish on the conference talk that you just don't really need when you're giving a meetup talk, right? I mean, I'm not saying that I'm. I'm not saying that you should be sloppy about your meetup talks, but um, because you can go to a meetup and attend boring talks and it's pretty, it's not great. So it's important to be engaging and polished and all that kind of stuff, even when you're giving a meetup talk. But there's just, I guess it's because you have 300 eyes looking at you, right? Like it's potentially, it's it's a, it's just a bigger, you're on a stage usually, your your slides are humongous behind you, right? It's just, it's a different kind of animal. Um, so I'd like to try to take on that challenge and see how that goes. Um, so I have submitted an idea, uh, an abstract, which is what they call it, basically a, a proposal to give a talk um, locally here in Orlando. It's happening in November. So I'm not going to say who it is because if I don't get picked, I don't. <laughs> we'll, we'll just go from there. But um, we'll, we'll talk about it more if I end up getting picked for it in future episodes. Um, and even if, we, even if I don't get picked for it, um, I'm going to try to either use that talk idea or a different one to just keep you know, keep looking for opportunities to do that. And, and, you know, at the end of this year and beginning of next year, try and find a place for me to be able to give one um, and then, uh, you know, actually prepare the talk and, and give it. Um, as far as advantages to doing that, like let me we talk a little bit about why would, that's a lot of work, right? To, to make a conference talk, to practice it, to go to this thing, to give it in front of hundreds of people. Um, so what is the, like, what's so much better about doing that than just attending the conference? What, what, what extra advantages do you get from that? And to me, I think the biggest one is just exposure, right? I mean, you can only meet so many people at the conference when you're attending it. Um, whereas when you're speaking at it, you have, you know, a 40 minute shot at some point during that three days where potentially many dozens, if not hundreds of people will be looking at you for 40 minutes while you give a talk and, and they will all know who you are because it's one to many. Um, so, that's you know for better or worse depending on how the talk goes but assuming that it goes well you have then that ability you kind of you have that like it's like celebrity but it only lasts for three days and and it's a very limited audience but it just kind of introduces you to everyone and so then you have when you do engage in those social interactions you kind of have that like built-in asymmetrical celebrity knowledge kind of thing where people know who you are you don't know who they are of course but but it it looks I feel like it would lower the barrier on speaking to people when I have spoken at meetups or even in that large, you know, when I, I spoke at that larger meetup, when I was done, I got off the stage and we, the, like, a couple of other ones went and then like the last 30 minutes of the, of the meetup is just socializing. And I literally had a line of people waiting to talk to me because they wanted to mention something or ask me a question or whatever about my talk. And that would not have happened if <laughs> if I hadn't given it all right. I'm I'm not that interesting looking, or 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 I'm not someone that I think people gravitate towards to speak to. But because I did it, I gave that talk in front of everyone. It gave them all a reason to talk to me. Um, and sometimes that's you know that's useful, right? That that can generate all kinds of 
like like we were saying, opportunities that you may not otherwise have. Yeah, we were talking before about uh, pacing your energy in terms of having conversations with people. And we mentioned the names of some of the, the organizers or headliners at these talks. Is it difficult for Ray Wunderlich or DHH to go up and introduce himself to someone? I have no idea because they don't have to do that for the entire time they're there. Everyone knows and is anxious and forms lines to talk to them. And so if if you are up on stage for just an hour or so in front of, like Ben said, an audience of 50 or 7,550 people who are at this conference, then suddenly you are known to those people. And so you really don't have to worry about that half of the conversation starting anymore. Those people are going to seek you out and say, hey, I heard your talk and I thought that was interesting and here's my two cents. And then you're off and running and you don't have to summon up that energy, which is difficult for, I know for me and probably for a lot of you of saying, oh, I want to, I want to introduce myself to someone. Who should I introduce myself to? What should I say first? This is all mental stress. Instead, you're just walking down the hall and someone said, oh, I went to your workshop earlier. Right. On the flip side, you have to prepare a talk and then give it in front of potentially hundreds of people. So that <laughs> that is its well, own stress. There is that. There, but, but, you know... Yeah, I, but I, I I definitely get your point that like rather than creating prompts, you are prompted, right? So like someone is coming up to you and prompting you with a question or a comment or something, and then you can just work off of that rather than having to come up with something on your own to get that ball rolling. And I think that is uh, it's you know, much easier, so much easier. Yeah, and the combination of the work to put your make it up talk to, to put your conference talk together. Uh, Plus, just receiving that interaction is still a lot easier than coming up with the conversational prompts on its right, own would right. have been. Right. Let alone you want to do that to someone who is conference famous, right? You want to talk to DHH. Yeah. Oh, boy, I better make that count, right? Like, <laughs> Whereas if you give a talk, maybe DHH will come up and talk to you. I mean, it, not that they will. He will necessarily. But, but um, I think there is – it just greatly lowers the barrier on conversations starting – right yeah. for you and and if one of your goals for the conference is to have as many conversations as you can so that you can optimize the opportunities for things to kind of come your way um that's certainly one way to do it not to mention that you know i think conference speakers who do a good job are respected in the industry so it, it gives you it gives you cred right you have basically kind of street cred nerd street cred where you can say i have spoken at a couple of conferences here's here are links to videos of those talks um there's all kinds of of other ancillary benefits you can get after the conference is over. Yeah, it, it continues to have value. I've had experiences where I, I gave a talk and then uh, I think a year and a half later, I was looking for a job and uh, wrote to someone who had posted the, the opening and he fired back and said, oh yeah, I think I went to the talk that you gave a year and a half ago. Right. So, like, first of all, how do you remember that? But <laughs> no, I don't remember giving the talk barely besides interacting with somebody, but it it stuck in his mind enough that it really made a difference to me. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how to pick a, a conference talk subject. You mentioned uh, you had uh, uh, submitted an abstract somewhere and are hopeful that it, no matter what happens with that to kind of shop the idea around a little bit. Uh, where did the idea come from? 
So, uh, believe it or not, it came from it's it's about um, hiring and mentoring juniors. <laughs> so no kidding. It's like very much in my wheelhouse. At least at least my current wheelhouse. I mean, in my in my capacity as a meetup organizer, as a podcast host for a podcast focused on junior development, um, and also as an educator of juniors at my job, um, I feel like I do have some advice and expertise to to bring to that question. Um, and so I wanted to create a talk. The talk doesn't exist yet. It's just an abstract, but, um, but I wanted to create a talk that kind of, I, I wanted to, I wanted to walk the walk of, I keep telling the world, right. That juniors are more valuable than you think. And that you should, as a, when I say you, I mean, companies, right. Companies should take a chance on juniors and they should, um, they should use them more than they are. They should they should trust them more than they do. They should empower them more than they do because there's a lot of value to be had from bringing in fresh new perspectives into a company. And quite frankly, us seniors aren't going to last forever, right? Like we're right. It's a, we're a finite resource, and we're going right. to run out. We're going to retire at some point. And mm -hmm. if you don't spend the time to replace us, you will have no one left, right? So it is in your best interest in many different ways to to hire and to mentor and to kind of um, cultivate junior developers into more senior developers. And so rather than just telling people that on this podcast, I wanted to find another way to do that. And what better way than to stand in front of a bunch of people who work at companies and who maybe even hire for companies and say, here are concrete ways that you can do this. And here are the reasons why that is a good idea. Um, so that's really kind of the talk that I just kind of had that I have rolling around in my head um, that is, you know, at this point incomplete as an idea, but it's something that I think I could, I could bring value right to the conference. And so the conference that I chose is local here to Orlando um, and it's a kind of a generalized developer conference. So I feel like it, it's going to attract a wide variety of kinds of people. And that's really the audience that I want. Um, so that seemed like a good fit. If it doesn't end up working out, they don't pick mine. Then there are a bunch of other conferences that, that, that could also benefit from a similar kind of talk. So um, I would say when you're going to pick, if you want to pick something to speak about, uh, you either want to pick an audience and kind of pick an audience first and then go with the talk um, because the audience will help you decide what conferences are the best ones to submit to. Um, or if the talk is more specific about like a technical idea, then you know, pick out the idea you want to talk about, the tech that you want to talk about, and then go find the audience, right? So, like, go find the uh, the, the the specific RailsConf or the or the Vue.js conference or the or the the specific uh, niche of iOS. You know, I want to do game developments. So I'm going to go find a, a a mobile gaming conference, right, to go give that talk. Um, so, decide whether you, I guess, maybe decide whether the talk that you're going to give is more like audience targeted or more like topic targeted, right? Um, in the sense, if it's a technical topic, it's really anyone interested in that topic, right? Whereas if it's an audience, like I want to reach a broad swath of, of developers and people who are developer adjacent because I want to send them this message, right? About being more open to juniors. That's not about anything about development, right? It's not about iOS or about Rails or about JavaScript. It's more of a, uh, meta topic, I guess. Um, and so I wanted to find a good audience for that first and then try and tailor the talk to that audience. I don't, I don't know if I'm being clear or not, but that, that's what I was, that's what I was thinking. It's kind of, you know, are you audience focused or are you topic focused? That, that makes sense. I mean, in, 
I think a narrower sense a topic is kind of going to be audience focused in that you're you want to talk to people who are interested in whatever that technical topic is it might be a, a distinction it generally if it's going to be topic focused it probably it's going to be technically focused and then if you're speaking on a higher level as you would be if you're talking about the importance of juniors then you have more in mind uh, what sort of people need to hear this message from yeah you. yeah i guess that's the way what's kind of what i was thinking about how i approach it so that's really kind of how i came to that conclusion about the the talk i wanted to give um that i want to give um and the other motivation was that i want to give a conference talk like that's that's the other thing that i that i'm trying to accomplish here is is to give one so that i have something to put on my resume as i have a video to link to on my website that kind of thing um and and a way to promote uh you know the stuff that i'm interested in and the stuff that i'm working on it so if you were to i don't know if you have any aspirations to give a conference talk but if you were to do so how would you approach that same that same goal well i gave a workshop at one of the rails cons that i went to and that was um for a lot of the reasons that you're talking about wanted to spread the word about the company the iron yard at the time and um, have the experience since we were both preaching the value of getting out and talking i wanted to get out and talk and show students that yes this can be done even even by somebody who you see kind of stumbling through the daily lectures <laughs> uh, so if, if i can do it you can do it and um the the topic was uh, but it was test-driven development, and it was born out of experience teaching that and uh, feeling like I had a decent approach to um, to share with people. And it seemed to go over fairly well. Uh, I remember, though, it was the first slot, which I was glad for, it was the first slot on the first day. And uh, it turned out I didn't have the right dongle to attach my computer <laughs> to the AV system. So there was... I got there, you know, bright and early and all ready to go. And we ended up getting started about 20 minutes after the announced starting time because people were running through the building trying to find the the plug that would go from their plug to my plug. And so that was a little bit awkward. But uh, I think a, a good experience. And I had the experience of having people come up to me afterwards and saying, oh, I went to your, your testing workshop and I thought it was great. And thank you very much. And... Uh, not to say that everybody will feel that way about everything that uh, you do on stage, but it's unlikely, especially in person, that people are going to come up and say, hey, I went to your talk. What a steaming pile of garbage that was. Because <laughs> right, no, right. One, no one really, first off, no one really does that. And uh, second, this actually, if I could lead into the uh, epiphany I was telling you about before the show, uh, the, the, the big fear that I think people have about speaking, whether speaking you know, on stage or even just talking to somebody in the lunch line or whatever, is that you're you're going to get snubbed. You know, somehow things are going to go badly and people are going to have a negative reaction to you. And um, it happened that just a, a couple of days ago, I had somebody sort of snub me. It was a minor thing, uh, not work related, just something uh, out in my daily life. Somebody kind of reacted badly to me. And uh, I was kind of bothered by it by a few hours. And I was thinking, why does this bug me so much? And I think the reason is that for most of prehistory, going back like hundreds of thousands of years, most of that time, people and you know, pre-people hominid things lived in groups of like 100 or 150 beings, right? The little tribes. And 
and that's all the people you would ever know. And so if someone in that little group had a negative reaction to you, that would follow you around for literally the rest of your life. You, you just couldn't get away from that. And I think that uh, the, the instinct really that that was reality for such a very long time stays with us, even though we're now in this world, uh, certainly anyone listening to this podcast lives in a world where you can be exposed to a lot more than 100 or 150 people. And so uh, a bad reaction, you know, a, a bad experience you have with one person, one group of people, you can really kind of cordon off and switch over to a totally different group of people and no one will ever know about it again. And it's really kind of a superpower because for a long time, if someone had a bad reaction to you, that like permanently limited your life possibilities. You know, you were never going to be chief of the tribe or whatever it was because you had had something bad happen in front of 150, which was everybody in the world as far as you're concerned. But now if I have uh, this this mix up with the dongle on stage in front of 100 or 150 people, which is uh, 100 is probably about the size of the crowd. Um, that was a few years ago in a different city and I haven't, haven't had any contact with those people ever since. And so something that would have been just fatal, you know, for most of my ancestors, for me, is a, as a non-event. It's really, I feel like we're rejection proof in kind of the sense of the word bulletproof, that if you have a bulletproof vest and somebody shoots at it, it's not pain-free. <laughs> you know, you, you, you can like break ribs and get knocked to the ground and stuff, but it, it won't kill you. So I think rejection now for people, it's not that we're Superman, but we're at least Deadpool. <laughs> it's, we can weather it's, the storm. It, it's going to hurt a lot potentially, but it's not going to finish you off. And, and whether that's, you know, submitting the talk and maybe it goes through, maybe it doesn't. You go to the conference, maybe it goes well, maybe it doesn't. You try to talk to somebody afterwards, maybe that goes well, maybe it doesn't. But in none of those things, even if they are, as many of you can think of going badly, uh, that doesn't mean that you end up sleeping under a freeway overpass that evening. All right. Well, I think we've kind of talked this uh, to its com conclusion. Uh, hopefully this was useful to some people and, and give them some, maybe giving them some ideas and a little bit of a fire to, to seek out uh, a lightning talk or a full-blown meetup talk or maybe even a conference talk um, to either at least go attend, if not give. Um, there's all kinds of benefits you can get from doing those things. Um, and like we were, we've been saying, you don't have to just jump right to, I'm going to give a conference talk in front of 200 people. You can start with, I'm going to attend my local meetup, right? That can be your first step. Um, and you can just kind of take it from there and see how it goes. Um, but just remember, there's lots of opportunities available to you that aren't just sitting in front of your computer trying to send out as many applications to as many jobs, blind applying, right, to, to hope that someone will call you back. Um, try to be more proactive in your job search if that's what you're trying to do right now. Find a job, particularly if it's your first developer job, um, and, you know, explore these different avenues that you can go down to try and make that happen rather than just blind applying. Because that's, that's maybe the easiest, but it's also the least likely to be fruitful. <laughs> And if you don't want to uh, leap right into speaking to people live and in person, maybe you'd like to start out uh, contacting the developer world by leaving a little note of feedback about us and our little podcast here. So Ben, if people would like to do that, where can they go? What can they do? 
So everything you know about our podcast is available on our website at mvc.fm, where you can listen uh, right on the page to our past shows and see all the show notes that for everything we talk about in each episode. Um, you can find out how to subscribe. We're basically available everywhere that podcasts are sold, including now Spotify. We hey. just recently joined Spotify. So if you if you like podcasts, uh, you know on Spotify, that's what we're there now. And otherwise, we're available pretty much anywhere. Just search for Model View Conversation. If you happen to use iTunes and the podcast app to do that, we would love a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And if you want to send us feedback, we're available on Twitter at NBC Podcast. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again soon.